This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you one final time from Progressive Field before we head out to spring training in Goodyear, Arizona. That's where our show will originate from next week, the Indian Spring Training Complex there. So uh, one more show here. We will get to another preview of a team in the American League Central Division, the much-talked-about Chicago White Sox who have been in a total re- rebuild for a while now with some really good young prospects. And this offseason, they went out and signed some quality veteran free agents, and they really feel like they have a chance to make some noise now in the American League Central Division. Jason Benetti, their interesting television voice. Always fun to have Jason on. He'll preview the White Sox with us. And we'll also talk Bill Walton as Jason works with uh, the former UCLA center and uh, certainly one of the more colorful color commentators in uh, ba- college basketball today. Uh, Jason will fill us in on some of that stuff, but uh, some good stuff coming from Jason Benetti shortly on the White Sox. Also, we'll hear from Indians pitching coach Carl Willis and a little bit of Tito as uh, Terry Francona, the tribe manager, started his meetings, daily meetings with the media out in Goodyear this week, and there's always some good nuggets to pull from those so a lot to get to on our show this week but first news of the week and unfortunately some tough news for the Indians on the injury front as Mike Clevenger sustained a left knee injury during workouts earlier this week and he underwent arthroscopic surgery on that knee on Friday afternoon. Dr. Tim Kremchek, one of the best in the business, he's uh, one of the Reds team's doc, uh, team doctors. He happened to be out in Avondale, Arizona, and uh, so Cleb was able to get that surgery done. And following the surgery, the estimate is that he could return to major league game activity in six to eight weeks. If he's on the short end, six weeks would be the day after opening day. So he might not miss that much Major League regular season time. And if we learned anything from last year, Mike Clevenger will 
he will ramp up the activities during his rehab, and uh, it's hard for the training staff to hold him back. That's their biggest challenge, and I think he came back a lot quicker a year ago from the shoulder injury than a lot of people thought, so we'll see if it's a similar situation with that knee issue. He's one of the hardest workers in the game, so look for Clev uh, to get back maybe around opening day, but even at the long end, if it is the eight weeks, that's uh, mid-April, and, and perhaps he's back on the mound after a couple of turns in the rotation. So while it sounded bad yesterday uh, or Friday when the announcement was made, maybe it's not quite as bad as originally seemed. Certainly not something that, that appears to be keeping him out for an extended period of time, a couple of months uh, or something along those lines. Uh, this looks like it might be uh, about as minimal as you can be with knee surgery. Now, on the other end of things for the Tribe, they did make a free agent signing official late in the week. Outfielder Domingo Santana signed to a major league contract for this season with a club option for next. He's only 27. Seems like he's been around longer than that as he broke in originally into the major leagues with Houston, then was traded to Milwaukee. He's also been with Seattle. That was a year ago. In terms of power, it's there. When he's been healthy, he's been able to put together some really good power seasons, including back in 2017 when he hit 30 bombs with the Brewers and drove in 85. Last year, 21 home runs and 69 runs driven in. Much of that in the first half of the season, then he had some elbow issues, and that slowed him in the second half of the year, and he ended up missing 24 games late in the season. But he's deemed healthy, and he will battle for one of the outfield spots. And if that doesn't work out uh, in the outfield, he's certainly a candidate to be a designated hitter. But if the Indians can get him in the neighborhood of uh, 500 at-bats, you're looking at a hitter who uh, very well could hit 25 to 30 home runs. So we'll see how it plays out and just uh, more inventory in what is becoming a very crowded Indians outfield situation at the onset of spring training. So that's your news and notes from the week gone by. We usually don't have that much uh, this point in the offseason or early spring, but uh, we do have some news and notes certainly of importance with the Clevenger injury and the Santana signing this week. And we'll be on the ground in Goodyear next week and bring it all to you from the Indian Spring Training Complex for next week's show. Now, on to this week's show. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Indians pitching coach Carl Willis. The Indians finished with the third lowest earned run average in the American League a season ago. And uh, Willis is beginning his third season as the Indians pitching coach this time around. He's been with them before, and he's always fun to visit with. And we'll hear that next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Don't forget several ways to pick up our show each week. You can do so on the Indians Radio Network. Check your local listings for the stations and times in your area. But generally, it hits the airwaves late in the afternoon on Saturday of each week. And uh, certainly on the Indians flagship station in Cleveland, WTAM 1100. It's uh, right in that 5 to 6 o'clock range each Saturday. And that's how it is for most of our great Indians Radio Network affiliates throughout Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New York State as well. You can also pick up our show Online at Indians.com, you can listen to the show as part of a podcast in podcast form on the iHeartRadio app, also Apple iTunes, as well as some other spots too. So 
Um, plenty of ways to listen to Tribe Talk each week. You have the archived editions, too, if you go the podcast route. Our first guest on this week's show, Indians pitching coach Carl Willis. We had a chance to visit with Carl during Tribe Fest as he gets ready for his third season now on Terry Francona's staff, his 10th season overall as a pitching coach for the Cleveland Indians and 17th in the major leagues as he's also been a pitching coach with Seattle and Boston. Last season, the Indians posted the third lowest earned run average in the American League. And uh, again, it's a, a pitching staff that has some star quality to be sure. They had the all-star game most valuable player in Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, if he can stay healthy. And again, with the, the news earlier today or earlier in the week that uh, Clev will miss some time due to knee surgery, uh, tough to win the Cy Young again this year, but when he's healthy, certainly one of the best. And uh, the Indians as a whole, both starting rotation and bullpen, have been very effective on the mound. Carl Willis, a big part of that. And before we talked about the specifics for this year's team, took a look back at last year. Carl talked about what a pitching coach in the major leagues does in the offseason to recharge the batteries and get ready for a new year. Well, you know what? Getting reacquainted with my family. Uh, I've got three grandsons now. They're, the oldest is five. The other two are infants. But, um, you know, seeing my mom and, you know, just uh, kind of having, you know, normal family people events, um, you know, it's relaxing. But at the same time, um, you know, we do a lot of work. We obviously um, communicate with the pitchers, set up throwing programs for them. They've done a tremendous job this winter uh, in sending us video. Uh, we've been getting Rapsodo numbers and data uh, back from them as their intensity has picked up. So, you know, we're still involved and, and still making some, some uh, suggestions and I guess still coaching in a sense, uh, although it be from afar. Uh, again, I think the credit has to go to them for – uh, having the open communication, uh, sending us the video, and, and taking the time to to keep us connected. And you mentioned that, and, and you pitched in the big leagues. When did it change where, and just talking to a bunch of the guys, the pitchers, I mean, they've been throwing for a while, and, and they'll come into camp ready to roll pretty much. I mean, obviously you ramp up a little bit, but um, what was it like when you were pitching? How early did you get started, and, and did you really just use spring training to build up? Well, you know, I like to think of myself as not being that old, but I am obviously getting older. You know, my last spring training was 1995. So, um, gosh, I guess that's 25 years ago now. I can I can tell you that, you know, back in the early to mid-90s, um, there really weren't throwing programs. You know, basically you went home for the winter. Um there was shoulder maintenance care. There was off-season lifting programs. But really, in terms of throwing, um, you know that you kind of knew spring training is going to start in the middle of February, and I've got to be ready. And, and you kind of, to a certain extent, you're on your own uh, to get ready. I think, you know, nowadays with particularly, I guess, it all started with cell phones and, and the video cameras on the cell phones. Um, it's just so much easier for us to to stay in contact and, and see how a guy is preparing and and while we're still coaching positively, also be aware of, you know, if they're getting into a bad habit, if they're starting to throw again, you know, we can throw something out. Hey, remember last year, you know, we talked about this or a, a different foot position that we had started 
to use. So um, I, I think really just over, you know, the last 10 years probably is when it has really taken off that, um, that we're able to, to stay in this type of contact and, and be more involved. When you look at, at this year's club, gosh, it sure seems like the starting rotation will be a strength mm -hmm. once again, even even with the trade of Corey Kluber. And uh, just touching on that, uh, when you had a chance to work with him, you had a chance to work with a bunch of Cy Young Award mm -hmm. winners, uh, fortunately, over your career. Um, what made him just a real vital part of this team for a long time? Well, I, I think really it came down to his attention to detail. Um, you know, people talk about his work ethic, and it's probably second to none, but he always worked um, on the right things. Um, he set a real high bar for himself, um, and I think it showed. Obviously, you know, if he hadn't done those things, he would have still been a good pitcher. He would have been a big league pitcher. Um, I don't know that he would have two Cy Youngs under his belt and, and be the elite major league pitcher that he is so I think when you when you add those attributes to his competitive nature um, and his willingness and pride to to be a leader by example uh, it, it really rubbed off on other guys now we can't replace him and and he'd certainly be missed but I do believe that the influence he had on some of our younger guys who, you know, we're seeing evolve and, and come into their own. Um, I think his example has played a big part into that, and they're going to continue, um, you know, Corey's influence, you know, will live through them. Well, and it sure seems like guys like Mike Clevenger and Shane Bieber are ready to kind of take that mantle and run with it. I think so, and, and we're excited about that, and more importantly, they're excited about it. Um, you know, it's a conversation – uh, that I've had with both of them, um, you know, uh, I think in club situation, you know, he's been here for a few years now. I mean, I guess realistically not that many, uh, but at the same time, you know, he's been part of the rotation now three, four years, obviously with Bieber, um, only a couple. But I, I think the maturity uh, that Biebs has, the experience that Clevenger has, and, and the, you know, just the adjustments and, and the learning uh, that both of them have done um, allows them to really be not only good leaders by example, but also, you know, to be an ear and a voice uh, to help some of our younger guys as well. I get asked a lot this offseason, what about Carlos Carrasco? Does he move into the rotation or do you kind of have to wait and see in the spring what, where he's at? Well, Carlos is doing well. You know, physically he's doing well. His, his strength is good. He's worked extremely hard in the weight room this offseason. Obviously, he's play, paid attention uh, to his throwing program. Um, I think probably because he did miss a significant amount of time last year, um, you know, a little bit less concern a, a about his arm and, and, you know, the innings and last year's workload. So, um, you know, he's coming in um, as a starter. And, you know, right now he expects and we expect him to be in starting rotation. So, you know, we are certainly excited about that. And, and honestly, more than that, we're thankful uh, that, you know, he has, you know, be, been blessed to, to overcome to this point and, uh, and be back in a position um, to be 
not only just a pitcher he can be for the Cleveland Indians, but, you know, the friend, the father, uh, the person he is. Um, hey, we love watching him pitch, but we're very thankful for that. And in the bullpen, uh, some new faces, but, boy, there's some potential for some power down there. Huh? Well, there is. You know, um, obviously, uh, I guess Karinczak's not a new face. Uh, we, we saw him a bit in September of last year. Really exciting to, to see him work and, you know, how he can move the baseball um, in terms of a new face, uh, Class A from Texas uh, that we acquired uh, in the Kluber deal, uh, we did see him here last year, uh, doubleheader day uh, in a makeup game and, you know, up to 100 with a, you know, 98-mile-per-hour cutter and, you know, really, really electric stuff. You know, a young arm, uh, a young kid who, who has a, a, a huge, bright future ahead of him and, and hopefully – you know, we can help him in some ways that we identify to help. And, and uh, each pitcher, you know, they're all trying to gain more consistency. If if he can do that, he certainly has the stuff to be a, a really, really huge weapon for our bullpen. We'll finish where we started, back home in North Carolina. What in God's name has happened to the North Carolina Tar Heels this winter? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they, they, they lost some freshmen last year. They didn't expect to lose. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's definitely been a learning experience. It's been tough uh, on the fans. I am one of those fans, but I believe in Roy Williams. And uh, they're, they're going to keep their head above water, and uh, they'll be back to being the Tar Heels of Bowl here very soon. You heard it here first, folks. Thanks, Carl. All right, Rosie. He is truly a dyed-in-the-wool Tar Heel basketball fan. And uh, this season, well, it's been an up-and-down roller coaster ride for the Tar Heels and uh, Carl Willis will be in spring training already is working with the pitchers and uh, getting that pitching staff ready and uh, it should be another strong season on the mound for the tribe stay tuned when we come back we will continue our look around the American League Central Division our previews of Indians rivals from the division that they see 19 times a season the Chicago White Sox are much improved and we'll visit with Jason Benetti their television voice and talk about the Sox when we come back after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. You having fun yet, folks? Payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. Ball game. Phil Maton completes the Indians 16th shutout of the year and the Indians destroy the Chicago White Sox tonight by a final score of 11 zip. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field downtown Cleveland. Our final show before we head to spring training in Goodyear, Arizona and our final look around the American League Central Division and we head to Chicago and the White Sox and catch up with their great television voice Jason Benetti, who is getting ready for a new season. And, and Jason, I know, I'm, gosh, they've been talking about this rebuild with the White Sox for a while, and the fruits of that labor could be coming into the forefront here this season. It sure looks like uh, there could be some changes in the air in terms of the standings for the White Sox, at least at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, Rosie, and, and thank you for having me, first of all. I always enjoy getting to chat before uh, before spring training when we do this, but I I I think it's safe to say that the White Sox are at least rapping on the door, if not on the way through the door. Uh, and it showed pretty quickly in the offseason, like one of the first 
bullets that came in spring in uh, in free agency was Yasmani Grandal. I mean, the Sox went out and got a catcher who's an all-star. And yeah, James McCann was an all-star last year, but now you've got a pretty fortified catching position. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, well-known for his framing, well-known for his ability to connect with pitchers and prep for series. And then you go and get a guy like Dallas Keuchel, you get Edwin Encarnacion, who we're very familiar with, obviously. Uh, and it, it seems like the Sox have put the pieces around the young talent here. And then Luis Robert ends up uh, getting his contract as well. The young center fielder who uh, I would imagine you would see on opening day, barring injury. Uh, so I, there's young talent and then there are veteran pieces. And, and I do think the excitement is unlike anything, at least in my five years I, I've seen around the White Sox. And you mentioned that. What, what is it like around the city? I know you spend your, a good portion of your winter time there. And uh, obviously, it, gosh, it, it just seems like it's such a Cubs town and has been uh, especially so because of 2016 and all that. But it sure seems like there's a lot of excitement now for the White Sox. Yeah, it, it was it was funny. Sox Fest moved to a new location this year downtown at McCormick Place over by where DePaul plays its basketball. And it was jam packed. I mean, it was sold out. Crowds were awesome. And somebody yelled. I was doing a seminar with Rick Hahn, the general manager, and Ricky Renteria, the, the manager. And somebody yelled, thanks for not signing Manny Machado and spending the money somewhere else. And at Sox Fest 2018, uh, or 2019, I should say, before last season, if you yelled that, you probably would have been escorted out by a series of other fans because there were a lot of angry people that the Sox didn't go out and spend the money on Manny Machado. But in hindsight, there are some very excited people regarding that. And, you know, you mentioned the Cubs. It's it's an interesting time in the town because the Cubs headlining move this year was changing managers with David Ross coming in and there just wasn't a whole lot of movement in terms of free agency for the Cubs. And so it's been more of a Sox town this off season. And I don't, I don't love comparing the two, like the rivalry is a fan rivalry and it's exciting when they play, but there's room enough in Chicago for two baseball teams that can both be good. And I think the Sox have kind of stolen the headlines some this offseason with all the players. Well, as we know, so much of this comes down to pitching. And, and you mentioned a couple of names that, that could help in that regard. But how much improvement do you think there is starting pitching-wise and then also out of that bullpen that could really help this club? Yeah, the, the starting pitching is one of the places where the Sox went to bolster, but also are, I wouldn't say riddled with question marks, but at least have a couple question marks with the injuries to Michael Kopech and Carlos Rodon. Rodon will be back probably mid-season is what we're hearing. Kopech will be ready for the season, whether he starts the majors, we don't know, after his Tommy John surgery. So you go out and you get Keuchel. And you get Gio Gonzalez, who's a, a bona fide innings eater at the very least. And, and he's been around and he knows how to pitch. So at least there's some alleviated pressure, uh, alleviated necessity to go that extra two innings or one inning or, or whatever the vice is on the rotation with all the young guys that we've seen the past couple of years. There, That's alle alleviated somewhat. So I, I think you have a more stable rotation with some question marks still. And then in terms of the bullpen, 
Uh, Alex Colome was very good last year. Aaron Bummer had some awesome numbers. If the Sox were a better team last year, Aaron Bummer would have gotten a lot of discussion around the majors in the way like Emilio Pagan got discussion for the Rays for being uh, a sabermetrics dream. Uh, but Bummer has that great sinker. You've seen it close up. And then you add Steve Ciszek, who if he does what he's normally done in his career, there's going to be some added uh, depth in the bullpen. So I think the bullpen's in a pretty good place. And I think the starting pitching very well could be, obviously with Giolito coming back. And the, the real enigma is Reynaldo Lopez. If he looks like he did two years ago in terms of growth and can get back there and build from that rather than last season, which was something of a wash, uh, the Sox rotation, I think, will be in really good shape. Jason Benetti joining us, television voice for the Chicago White Sox. We're wrapping up our look around the American League Central this week here on Tribe Talk with Jason and talking White Sox. And, uh, man, they've done a lot of uh, good things in terms of improving their roster. Uh, the, the players coming back, I thought one of the the nice signings, uh, just as a fan of the game, uh, Abreu stays around. And, and I thought that was good because – Boy, he stuck through the, the tough times, and, and now maybe he, he can enjoy some of the good times if that happens. And uh, what was the thought around the ball club to, to try and keep him and eventually being able to do so? Yeah, he's one of those guys who has just so cemented himself in the clubhouse, and he's put up great consistent numbers while he's done it, that he wanted to stay. He wanted to stay badly. Jerry Reinsdorf wanted them to stay. The Sox wanted them to stay in general. Uh, his teammates wanted them to stay. He is a mentor and a father figure to a number of the players in the clubhouse, not only the Latino-born players, but some others as well. I mean, he's the type of guy who can really bring together a clubhouse and help develop the work habits of young talent. So I think immediately... The Sox wanted to make that work as long as the numbers worked, and they did. And so, you know, you you initially have the one-year agreement and then build on that with an extension. And I think so many people wanted him to stay home, what's become his adopted home, that it was it was kind of a no-brainer for the Sox. When you look at, at the young players, and, and let's face it, the, the last couple of years have, have been all about developing young players, and man, there's some good ones. One or two, be it position player or pitchers, that, that really stand out to you that you're excited about who have who have developed and, and uh, you really think could be backbones for this team for a while? Uh, offensively, Yohan Moncada. We saw him last year take that huge long step forward uh, and put up numbers that were really close to all-star caliber, if not all-star caliber. And I think he got his he got his sea legs under him in terms of third base. He played a much better third base than he did second base the year prior. So he's absolutely one of those guys, young, powerful switch hitter. We've seen his power in series against the Indians. Uh, he's on that list. Lucas Giolito is absolutely on that list, and, and we'll see if he can uh, connect with where he was last year and grow from there and become even more of a Cy Young potential uh, right-handed pitcher in the starting rotation, a frontline sort of guy. And then the one guy I, I mentioned him briefly before Rosie, but, but Luis Robert is such an athletic freak. He's a monster with the bat. He can go gap to gap in center field in terms of his defense. Everything I've heard and seen, he's a prodigy. 
And so I'm excited to watch and see where he is, where his baseline is this year, and then see where that goes throughout the course of the season. Because we saw Eloy Jimenez grow through last year, and you feel like the jump could happen for Luis Robert even quicker this year in terms of just his physical tools offensively and defensively. And frankly, he's going to be important to the Sox defensively because Eloy Jimenez did not have a good year in left field last year and Nomar Mazzara out and right. If he is the the starting right fielder on opening day has not been reputedly a top level right fielder. He can play right field certainly, but Luis Roberts going to be the most athletic guy out there. Jason Benetti joining us television voice for the Chicago White Sox. Jason, before we let you go, I have to compliment you. You you've spoken with clarity here today and I'm somewhat surprised for those who, who don't know on the college basketball circuit on ESPN during the offseason. Jason is a, a regular play-by-player for some major games. And you worked with Bill Walton on occasion. He also did a baseball game with you last <laughs> summer. And yet you have lived to tell the tale. Um, how, did, how did you manage to do that? And, and has it taken years off your life, those two hours that you spend with Bill Walton? Yeah, he is. He's a a hurricane wrapped in a tsunami. Uh, I I will say, first of all, he is a sweetheart of a human being. He's a wonderful guy. He's he's a great person deep to the core. I love working with the guy. But every time I work with him, something ridiculous happens. And it's not only me, right? Like anytime he's on TV, something ridiculous happens. But we were doing Colorado, Arizona State in January And I had worn a Grateful Dead tie along with my suit because he's a big Jerry Garcia Grateful Dead fan. And so we came on camera and I said, Bill, I I wore a Grateful Dead tie for you. It's a Jerry Garcia tie. He says, how do you know it's a Jerry Garcia tie? I said, well, if if you look at the bottom, it's got his name on it. It says Jay Garcia. And Bill turns to me and he says, let me check. Grabs my tie licks it twice with his tongue and then promptly looks at the camera and says, Oh yeah, that's a Jerry. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, he is a remarkable human being who, by the way, like the young, the, the youngest people in the audience have no idea, but he was one of the greatest basketball players in college basketball history. And he would have been in the NBA if not for the injuries he dealt with, with his back and everything. So He's he's an outstanding athlete, and he also happens to be a lot crazy. And if you happen to see highlights of when he played in college, that was at a time when the slam dunk was outlawed in college. So here's one of the best big men in the game, and a lot of his baskets were these little lay-ins that today right. would have been you know vicious dunks. <laughs> he's I mean you look and you see this this giant shock of hair over the top of the other trees inside the paint. I mean, he, he was the tallest building in the skyline in just about every game he played in. Would he be invited back to, to do a Sox game again this summer? Cause that, that was quite a three hours, I think for you last summer. <laughs> yeah. The SS Minnow had a less eventful three hour tour than we did that night. Uh, he, he absolutely is welcome back, and I think it would be hysterical to do it. Although the one thing I think is like having done it once, everybody had such a great time, and it's almost like, you know, what if it was just a one-day event that we never did again and just had that be the special thing that we did? But but again, like 
we are we planted the seed in that game I did with him earlier this year. We have Grateful Dead Night in August, so I extended the invitation for him to come. And if he comes for Grateful Dead Night, you better believe he's coming up to the booth. Well, he could be attending a game where the White Sox have some meaningful baseball uh, late in the year. And uh, just to wrap up, uh, Indians White Sox season series a year ago hotly contested. In fact, you could argue that the White Sox kept the Indians out of the postseason. Uh, how do you see the division? It seems like everyone has an opinion about which of, of three teams could win it. Yeah, I, it's an interesting, interesting division because the Twins obviously just got better with Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers, and they're still going to hit homers and Josh Donaldson. And you guys obviously just create pitching out of thin air. It seems like there's a new right-hander coming up from Columbus every year, and we're like, man, he's got great stuff. Who's he? And oh, he's got where he was in where he was in Akron. Oh, well, he just threw a six inning shutout against us. So that's that's too bad. Uh, so I would never, ever, ever count out the Indians and the twins obviously can bang the ball. So I, Tigers and Royals, we know, are in the rebuild and I'm not trying to demean them. But this is going to be a really fun three team race. And it actually may come down to who plays best against the Royals and Tigers like those are games that you kind of need to have this year as much as possible well, it should be fun and spring training's right around the corner it started with pitchers and catchers and Jason I'll look forward to seeing you out in Arizona when uh, when these teams meet on occasion in spring training but uh, enjoy the rest of uh, basketball and I will catch up with you real soon Rosie thank you so much for having me I always enjoy talking to you that is Jason Benetti, television voice of the Chicago White Sox, a team on the rise to be sure in the American League Central. Stay tuned. Our final segment comes your way next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Changes coming here. We'll get you updated on them as we go through the inning. The Indians and the Padres are all tied up, and the new right-hander on to let it fly is Sean Kelly. He's got a new catcher, Austin Hedges, and the rest of the guys we don't care about. <laughs> Only in spring training. Okie dokie. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Just a couple of minutes left in our show today and thought we'd finish with some good stuff from Terry Francona about spring training. One of the beauties of having a manager with such great experience in the game today is the length of time he's been in the game at the professional level. And Tito talked about what spring training means to him this year and really every season that he's been in the game as pitchers and catchers reported to camp earlier this week. I will try to put it into words because it's just hard to. I mean, I'm 60 years old, been coming to spring training since I was 21, so my 40th year. But woke up this morning, you know, 
I think I, I think I woke I got I think I got before 15 and I had a little pep in my step now my pep is a little different than maybe Bart's pep or somebody else's but I mean it's like man like your your clock like it's so weird like how how, how two days ago was a normal day I got up today, man, and when I woke up, I was like, oh, I got to do this, 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 and this. Like, it's game on. Um, I guess when it gets to a point where it doesn't feel like that, that's when it's time to probably th- start thinking about not doing it. But if today was any indication, I'm okay, because I was pretty revved up. That's Tribe Manager Terry Francona. Some great thoughts about the meaning of the start of spring training. And we'll be heading to spring training this week, and our next show in Tribe Talk will be coming to you from the Indian Spring Training Complex in Goodyear, Arizona, next weekend. So we hope you can join us then. In the meantime, thanks to Brian Matze, as always, for putting our show together each week. Until next week, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new santa fe is available with h-track all-wheel drive so i can hit the trail without a worry in the world Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.